Good morning. First, let's come to the Lord in prayer. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for the great salvation that you've given to us. So great a salvation. Today we ask that you teach us more about that salvation. Help us to realize just how much you've done for us. That our hearts may be overflowing with thanksgiving towards you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So the reading today was from Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11 through to 3, 6, which is a, a passage we'll be spending time in over my next number of sermons. And today we're going to speak from the text, chapter 2, verse 11, 12, and 13. And what we do today will kind of be a foundation also for the weeks ahead. So if you study well today, you'll enjoy the next sermons even better. So far in Ephesians, Paul has been telling this, the Christians in Ephesus about the many spiritual blessings that they have in Christ. And then in chapter 2, Paul changed his tone quite dramatically and started talking about their sin, how they were dead in trespasses and sins. They followed the course of the world, followed the prince of the power of the air. And how Paul says we, meaning him included, all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. So the Christians in Ephesus couldn't think of themselves in any way superior to the rest of mankind. They were just the same as the rest of mankind. And then Paul uses that wonderful word, but, but God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. In today's verses 2 from verse 11 through to 13, Paul will once again call our attention to how we were in the past. And then in verse 13, he'll again have that word, but, telling us the good news. Verse 11, therefore remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh, called the young circumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. So now he's selecting out the Gentile Christians from Ephesus. It's got a special message for them. They were called the uncircumcision. That term was kind of a derogatory term, a it's a put-down. It's a kind of thing that a person feeling superior would say to somebody they felt was inferior. You know, just the uncircumcision. They were called that by the circumcision, which, of course, is those who had been circumcised. To fully appreciate what Paul's saying to the Gentiles here, I want to take us through some Bible passages today. Some of them will be longer, so you've got plenty of time to find them. The first one is in Genesis chapter 17. 
Genesis chapter 17. What's all this about being circumcised? Genesis 17 from verse 1. When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abraham and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless, that I may make my covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. Then Abraham fell on his face and God said to him, Behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abraham, but your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make you into nations, and kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. So God promised not only to Abraham but to his offspring that he would be their God. They would be his people. Verse 8, And I will give to you and your offspring after you the land of your sojournings or the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession and I will be their God. I will be their God. And God said to Abraham, As for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your offspring after you throughout their generations. This is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and you and your offspring after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskins, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. He who is eight days old among you shall be circumcised. Every male throughout your generations, whether born in your house or bought with your money from any foreigner who is not of your offspring, both he who is born in your house and he who is bought with your money shall surely be circumcised. So shall my covenant be in your flesh an everlasting covenant. Any uncircumcised male who is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin shall be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. And then across to verse 22. When he had finished talking with him, God went up from Abraham. Then Abraham took Ishmael, his son, and all those born in his house who were bought with his money, every male among the men of Abraham's house. And he circumcised the flesh of their foreskins that very day, as God had said to him. Abraham was 99 years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. And Ishmael, his son, was 13 years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. That very day, Abraham and his son Ishmael were circumcised. And all the men of his house, those born in the house and those bought with money from a foreigner, were circumcised with him. So circumcision was the sign of the covenant that God made with Abraham and all his offspring. It was to go on and on and on from generation to generation. Paul saying to these Gentiles, you're called the uncircumcision. And that's true. They weren't circumcised. But there's something more there. They didn't belong to the covenant that God made with Abraham. They were outside of that and their flesh. Paul does say a little remark at the end. He says, which is made in the flesh by hands. Paul, of course, has a far greater understanding of circumcision as a Christian than he did before. And so he's saying the circumcision which is made in the flesh. And even the Old Testament, God told people about a circumcision that he desired was the circumcision of the heart 
where the people's heart would be tender towards him to obey him. And so Paul's just sneakily putting that in there. And then there's the words there, he adds the two, two words in English, it says, by hands. It's all innocent enough, but that particular phrase that he used there was the phrase that was used at the time to talk about idols. Idols made by hands. In other words, they were, they were powerless, they were lifeless, they were useless. So Paul's just sneaking in some thoughts there that, and not his main thought, but do show his present understanding. Paul carries on in verse 12, Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ. Of course they were separated from Christ. I mean, everybody who's not a Christian was separated from Christ. But what does Paul mean? Because he's not talking here so much to the individuals, but he's talking to you Gentiles as a group. You were separated from Christ. And by Christ we understand that he means the Messiah, the, the anointed one. You were separated. So I think that means that the Gentiles were separated from the promise of the Messiah. They were separated from all the teaching about the Messiah. Who was this Messiah? Let's look at some passages again and build up our understanding of what the Jews had, what those circumcised had, which the Gentiles did not have. I'm going to read first from Deuteronomy 18, and then we'll make our way into the Psalms. Deuteronomy 18, Moses is talking to the people. And in verse 15, he says, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is to him you shall listen, just as you desired of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of assembly, when you said, Let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God or see this great fire any more, lest I die. And the Lord said to me, They are right in what they have spoken. I will raise up for them a prophet like you, from among their brothers. And I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. And whoever will not listen to my words, that he shall speak in my name, I myself will require it of him. But the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name that I have not commanded him to speak, or who speaks in the name of other gods, that same prophet shall die. God would raise up a prophet from your brothers. from the circumcised, from those who are in covenant with God through the covenant of Abraham. We can learn more about this Messiah that the circumcised people had revealed to them. Psalms has quite a number of passages, but we'll choose some. Uh, Psalm 2 You'd like to follow along and read the whole psalm, Psalm 2. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed. His anointed, that's the same word that they use for Messiah or Christ 
against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. Then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, as for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. I will tell of the decree. The Lord said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Now therefore, O kings, be wise. Be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry and you perish in the way, for his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. So we see here that the Messiah, the Christ, would be a king. It would be a king whom the Lord would say, you are my son. A king who is the son of God. Over to chapter 16. Just the last few verses of that Psalm 16 from verse 9. Therefore my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the paths of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Now that's a little bit more obscure, but we know from the New Testament teaching that verse 10 there, you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption. I mean that his Flesh would not decay in the grave. The Messiah would live forever. Psalm 24, another hint, verse 7. Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty, the Lord, mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates, and lift them up our ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. There's an indication there that the Lord himself would be the Messiah. Our next main one, again in the book of Psalms, is Psalm 110. These are probably pretty familiar to you. They're good ones if you want to talk to somebody about the Messiah and the Old Testament teaching of the Messiah. These are good ones to know. Psalm 110, the whole psalm. A psalm of David. The Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. The Lord sends forth from Zion your mighty scepter. Rule in the midst of your enemies. Your people will offer themselves freely on the day of your power in holy garments. From the womb of the morning, the dew of your youth will be yours. The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. The Lord is at your right hand. He will shatter kings on the day of his wrath. He will execute judgment among the nations, filling them with corpses. He will shatter chiefs over the wide earth. He will drink from the brook by the way. Therefore, he will lift up his head. Note in particular, verse 4, you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Melchizedek was a person that Abraham 
had met. Notice that so far everything is just geared to the people of Abraham. <clears throat> the, the coming prophet will be from among the brothers. <clears throat> this person here in Psalm 110 will be in Zion. The only sort of mention of the Gentiles in relation to this is that there will be people who will be judged severely and punished and destroyed. There's one more here in Psalms, Psalm 132. Just two verses, Psalm 132, verse 11 and 12. The Lord swore to David a sure oath from which he will not turn back. One of the sons of your body... I will sit on your throne. If your sons keep my covenant and my testimonies that I shall teach them, their sons also forever shall sit on your throne. And Samuel, God had given that promise to David and said that his kingdom would be an everlasting kingdom. And so we know that, again, this person is going to be an everlasting king, but we also know that no Gentile is going to give birth to this king. It's going to be a descendant of David. And finally, one more outside of the Psalms, probably the most famous passage of all, Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53. Who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant, and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form of majesty that we should look at him, and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep, that before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. And as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people? And they made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man in his death, although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He is put into grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore I will divide divide him a portion with the many, And he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors. And he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. 
This is by Isaiah, a circumcised covenant person of God. He was pierced for our transgressions. Let's go back to Ephesians. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ. None of what we've just read was written in the minds of those that wrote it to the Gentiles. It was to the covenant members, those circumcised, those in the covenant which God made with Abraham. You were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. The commonwealth of Israel or the community of Israel. Israel was not a country at that time. It wasn't even a country when Jesus was there. It had been taken over by the Romans back in 63 AD, so BC. So probably more than 100 years before the time Paul was writing. It was known instead by Roman district names such as Judea, Galilee, Samaria, Korea. So Paul's not saying to them, you were not members of the political country of Israel, because there was none. He's saying you were not of the community of Israel. And when we read about Israel in the Old Testament especially, we read that Israel is basically the people. It's the people. So when God wants to talk about the land, he talks about the land of Israel, meaning the land of Israel. So they are separated from the community of Israel. Again, outside, uncircumcised. And outside of all the literature of Israel, the Psalms, the prophets, the Old Testament history, they were separated. They had no support of a group of people who are one-minded about their God. You see what Paul's doing here? He's just emphasizing point after point after point to show them that they're outside what God's promised. They're outside God's working. Strangers to the covenants of promise. We've talked about those, the covenant with Abraham especially, and then the covenant with David about his son sitting on the throne. And then he says, having no hope and without God in the world was something about the Jews was that they were never without hope. you just got to read the Psalms to know that. You can read a Psalm which starts off in despair, and by the end of it, it's talking about, we shall yet praise the Lord. They were not without hope. Here's a couple here. I'll just read them. You don't need to turn to these ones. Psalm 130, it says, uh, verse 5, I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning, more than watchmen for the morning. Oh, Israel, hope in the Lord. Who hope in the Lord? Israel. It doesn't say to Gentiles, hope in the Lord. Israel, hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is plentiful redemption, and he will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. In the very next Psalm 131, O Lord, my heart is not lifted up, my eyes are not raised too high, I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me, but I have calmed and quieted my soul. 
like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. So the Gentiles had none of that hope. You are without hope and without God in the world. The other thing we know about Israel, they were never without God in the world. He went out to fight with them. Moses said, if you don't go up with us, we're not going. God went. Psalm 73, I'll just read the, the last section of that. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold my right hand. It's you, in this case, as being God. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, and afterward you will receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but you, and there is nothing on earth that is I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. But for me it is good to be near God. I have made the Lord God my refuge, that I may tell of all your works. It is good for me to be near God. How true that is. And no Gentile, unless they converted to Judaism, could say that. So the Gentiles, it's like they're not even in the picture. That's Paul's point here. He's told how they were all dead in trespasses and sins. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, made us alive together with Christ. That was a, a blessing of grace to all people. Now he's singling out the Gentiles. There's something extra about you. Verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. The blood of Christ. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our sins, Paul has said. The blood of Christ has done something which the covenant of Abraham couldn't do for the Gentiles. In Christ Jesus, everything's changed because of one person, Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus changed everything for the Gentiles. They weren't even invited to the party, and here they are. Remember the parables that Jesus told and he said about those people who were sent out to work at the early part of the day and those who were sent out to work at the later part of the day and everybody came back and they got the same wage? Remember when he talked about the king, he said, go out to the highways and the byways and invite them all. Jesus, there was no secret to Jesus what he's about to do. He even said in John 10 about the, the shepherd and the sheep, he said, I have sheep that are not in this fold. How astonishing it must have been to Jews. And we know it was because Peter went and preached to Cornelius, the first Gentile in his household, and they became Christians. And the Jews there, they um, were rather upset with Peter. You know, you're not even meant to eat with such people. What have you been doing? 
Peter. Peter told them what had happened, how the Spirit had fallen on them when they heard the gospel. And the Jews, when they heard these things, they fell silent and they glorified God, saying, Then to the Gentiles also God has granted repentance that leads to life. What a shock! Paul was made an apostle to the Gentiles. Can you imagine Paul so ingrained all that Judaism? For him to understand what? How can they get it? Was it by circumcision? By being a member of the the covenant with Abraham? No. On the very same page in my Bible, I have the end part of Galatians. Remember, Jason preached a series through this, which is available online, if you'd like to. I see in verse 16, uh, verse 15, Paul writes to them, For neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. This circumcision, which for 2,000 years had set apart the people of God, God had done great works for them, brought them out of Egypt, given them lots of, you might say, physical salvation. But when it comes to his greatest salvation, that counts for nothing. Gentiles too, those without circumcision, can be in Christ. Same thing he says in chapter 5, verse 6, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. So what about the covenant with Abraham? Galatians 3. I should do a series on this. Galatians 3, verse 7. Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the the man of faith. And also verse 14, so that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. Let me finish with one more scripture from Paul's writing. From Philippians 3, verse 3, Paul says, For we, we Gentiles, Christians, and Jewish Christians, we are the circumcision, who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also, if anyone thinks, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, and as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. I count it, I count it all as loss 
count them as rubbish in this case. Now, he didn't despise being a Jew. But when it comes to salvation, it was nothing. Salvation is for the Gentiles. That's amazing. That's amazing. Let's pray. We thank you, Lord, for the unexpected invitation that the Gentiles received. I know at one stage when Paul spoke to the Jews, he said, I'm turning now to the Gentiles. And the Gentiles rejoiced to hear the word of the Lord, and many believed. Thank you for opening salvation to all mankind. We ask that you'll guide us this week in our appreciation of that. In Jesus' name, amen.